You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Well, let me, uh, let me think with you a minute. If, if we as a church um, begin to strive to think differently, um, it, it seems to me, it seems to me that, that we tend to focus a lot, uh, maybe I should say I tend to focus a lot, and, and sometimes my brothers and sisters, like you, tend to focus a lot on our frustration with our culture. Um, we say things like, how much more immoral can we become? Or how much worse can it get? How much further down can we go? And, and, and while all of those frustrations are real... What if we took all of our energy and begin to focus on how in the world can I reflect God's love in my culture? And, and how can I come to a place in my own life where that I am a giver and a, a lover and one who blesses others? E- even to the point of surrendering my own rights. And saying, it's, it's not about me, it's about me reflecting the love of God in my culture. I really think that's what Jesus is calling us to in Matthew 5 this morning. Open a Bible, let me show you what I'm talking about. Matthew 5, beginning with verse 38. We, we are in a series called A Life Well Lived. And so, as we think about that, I think most of us want to live life well. Few of us in the room would be satisfied coming to the end of our lives and people saying of us, boy, they really botched their life up. They were given this great gift of life and they really made a mess of things. I think all of us are saying, I want to live life well, but is, is there a standard for that? How, how do you know that you're living life correctly? And so what I propose to you in the Sermon on the Mount is that we apply the words of Jesus to our lives in order to live life well. And not only the words in his teaching, but the life that he lived as an example for us. That we might seek to be like him as we follow his teaching. And so here's what Jesus says, okay? Um, Jesus says, you have heard that it was said. Would you just read aloud that next line? So that's what you've heard. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. So, someone is trying to get revenge. And maybe even their intent is not pure, it's wrong, it's evil. Jesus, you're saying that that I should not resist that person? Listen to what he says. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. 
You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. You know, don't you, he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? (laughs) Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore. As your heavenly Father is perfect. Strong words, huh? Words of Jesus. Nett and I were at a mall the other night, a shopping mall, and there was a, a fight in the parking lot of the mall. And uh, I don't know exactly all that was going on, but uh, I, I didn't feel like I ought to step in. The two people who were getting into it were females, and I was afraid I might get hurt, so I was <laughs> staying back. Somebody had wronged somebody, and somebody was looking to get even. And here comes the police rolling in, man. I mean, rolling in fast. Everything starts breaking up. When, when, when I listen to Jesus' words, I, I, uh, I don't see those words lived out often enough in the world that I live in. Um, the mantra in the world that I live in, if, uh, if you make me mad, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get even. That's, that's more the mantra that I hear. But Jesus offers us something very different. So let's, let's talk about this. And what I want to talk to you about first is this alternative life that Jesus invites us to be a part of in the kingdom of God. And how we respond as citizens of the kingdom of God. And, and then I want to talk to you about motive because it's extremely important that our motives are correct in, in, in going about this alternative kind of life, okay? Okay. And, and then I want to celebrate with you about why we're able, why we're able to live this kind of life. So, so here's, here's what's going on. As we, as we open the Bible and we begin to read, we have to consider what is going on in history when Jesus says these words. The, the people of Israel have been overrun by nation after nation at this point. And they are presently living under the rule of the Romans. And so they are having to follow their harsh rules and they're having to pay their excessive taxes. We all understand what it means to pay excessive taxes. Amen? So this, this is their world. And so where is justice in that world? But if you look within the nation itself, you have everyday life. People trying to function within community. And we all know how that goes. And there's always a need for some kind of civil authority to settle disputes. But within that, there is this growing gap between the rich and the poor. And so you're beginning to get the picture. Here, here are people who are not only living under the normal struggles of trying to function within community, but you're now under the rule of the Romans, and you're dealing with their harsh rules and their excessive taxes, and you have this growing gap between the rich and the poor. And the question becomes... Where is justice in my world? And so Jesus addresses this issue of justice. 
You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. It comes from a Latin idea. Lex Telionis. It's, it's really the law of retaliation. And so I think that initially when we hear that phrase, we become a little bit concerned. And that sounds a little bit harsh to us. Wow, really? Eye for eye, tooth for tooth? You caused me to lose my eye, I'm going to take your eye. You caused me to lose your tooth, I'm going to find some wire pliers because I'm getting me a tooth. It, it, it may not have been as harsh as it seems, although it's a different world, you understand. Um, it, it was really to put a limit on retaliation. So, so if you do something that causes the life of one of my cattle, so one of my cows dies, you can't come and take five of my cows, okay? It's eye for eye, tooth for tooth, cow for cow. Not cow for five cows, okay? So, so the idea was that it would limit retaliation. So in that sense, it was a very positive thing. And I don't want you to think that it was done by individuals. It wasn't like I could just show up at your house and say, okay, you cost me this, so I'm taking this. No, it was done by civil authorities or a judge or something like that. And, and, and the, other, the, other, the other side of that is that um, not only was it done by a civil authority, not, not that an individual could enforce the law in that regard, but it was often paid in, in, in some kind of currency or goods. So, in other words, if you call someone to lose their eye, it didn't mean that you were actually going to lose your eye, but there was something exacted that would say, this is what the cost should be for losing an eye. Jesus says, okay, think with me. What if? What if you didn't strike back? What? No, just think with me, Jesus says. What if you didn't retaliate? What do you mean, Jesus? What if I didn't retaliate? No, I'm just saying. Just think with me a minute, okay? What if as a follower of mine, as a Christian, as a person who is part of the kingdom of God, what if you didn't retaliate? Well, what do you mean? And so he says, let, let me explain. He gives four examples. Four examples, okay? And so here's what he says. Suppose someone strikes you on the right cheek. All right? So Harlan, just come over just for a minute, would you? So if... Harlan and I are standing here together, and Harlan strikes me on my right cheek. No, I'm messing with you. That's my left one, just cutting up. So if, if you struck me on my right cheek, how would you have to do that if you're right-handed? It would be a backhand. And so here's the deal. A backhand was an insult. Now, I know, I know I'm from Kentucky, but where I'm from, an open hand is an insult if you slap somebody on the face, right? But it was even more disrespectful to, to backhand someone. And so Jesus says, if Harlan were to strike you on the right cheek, which left you kind of in this position, what if you just, instead of striking back, because eye for eye, tooth for tooth says, he hit me, I hit him back, right? What, what if instead, what if you turn the other cheek? Thank you, Harlan. 
So, so what if as a follower of mine, we did this whole other thing in our world that we didn't retaliate? So, so what would that say to people? How would that affect your world? Do you remember during the civil rights movement? I, I, I really don't remember it personally. I was born in 1961 and, and I you know, was a child, very young, uh, during you know, the height of the civil rights movement. But, but when I watch documentaries, I think I'm still amazed at how our nation did not want, know what to do with people who were, who were beaten who were washed down the street with a water hose, who were spit upon, who were humiliated, and they didn't strike back. What in the world do you do with somebody who doesn't strike back? Jesus said, just think with me a minute, okay? What if? What if when somebody strikes you on the right cheek, what if you didn't strike back? What if you turned the other cheek? So, you know, I have on clothes today and and a coat and, and some pants and shoes and shirt and in, in Jesus' day, if I would have been living then, um, I would have probably worn a th- three items, okay, besides my sandals and, and a headpiece. I would have worn um, a loincloth, and then over the loincloth, uh, just a loincloth, then I would have had like a tunic is what it was called. Now, in our modern-day translation, we translate it shirt and, and coat, okay, but actually the reference is to a tunic. And a tunic would be something that you would wear close to your body and it would be a, a, a full-length, like, undershirt kind of thing. That's the best way that I can really say it to you. And most common people on that day would have two tunics, okay? But they would have one cloak. A cloak was something that they wore over the tunic and, and it would look kind of like this. It, we, we would kind of think of it as a robe or something like that, but this would be... You know, pretty common to what a, a cloak would look like if I can get it on. And so you would have a loincloth, a tunic, and then you wore your cloak over it. Did, did you know what you could not do? Um, sometimes when people are so poor, the only thing they had as collateral or a pledge was their clothing. That's the kind of poverty we're talking about. And so, so here's the deal. You could not put your cloak up as collateral. It was illegal. Because you couldn't take the guy's cloak. You know Why? You couldn't leave him completely naked, and it was also a blanket. It's what he covered himself with at night. This was a very important thing in a person's life. And you know how many they had? One. Most poor people, most common people, rather, would have one. And Jesus says, let's, let's think about it this way. What if somebody sues you, okay? You owe me money, and, and they take your tunic. What if you handed them your coat? What if you stood there in your impoverished nakedness? You know what he's saying? What, what if you surrendered your rights? In my world, hey, I've got a right, buddy, okay? <laughs> I've got my rights. Jesus says, what if, what if you surrendered that attitude? In Jesus' day, a Roman soldier could force you to carry something for one mile. But there was a law that said he could not force you to go more than a mile. 
But if he needed your assistance, he could say to you, pick this up and you carry it for me a mile. And Jesus says, what if you you just kept going when you got to the end of the mile? And what if you carried it two miles? And what about all these people who are asking you for money? And people who want to borrow from you, what if you gave to them? I mean, as a, as a member of the kingdom of God, as a follower of Jesus, what if, you, what if you just gave to people as they needed it? What if, what, what if you helped people? See, I, I, think, I think the question here for, for us is, so what, what would my life look like, my life, if, if I chose not to retaliate and I said, I'm going to surrender my rights? That, that's, that's not important. I don't, it's not about me. And, and what if I became a real helpful person to other people? And what if I became a very giving person? What, what, what does that look like in my life? So I think one of the things that we have to kind of do here is pause real quick and say, you understand these are not rules. Because if we turn them into rules, we're right back at where we started in this whole conversation. We're no better off than the scribes and Pharisees who took the law and reduced them to rules. And said, if I just do these things, then God has no problem with me because I've kept the rules. If we turn them into rules, we miss the whole point. And so I'm driving down the road this past week, okay? And it's on Friday, and I've got this sermon in my head because I preach on Sunday, and I've always got a sermon in my head. And as I'm driving, I pull up to this stoplight, and here's a guy standing there with a sign asking for money. So what do I do? I've just read the words of Jesus that says, If anybody asks, then give. And so I got a guy standing in front of me with a sign asking, am I obligated to give to that man? Is that the best thing that I can do? Is that the right thing? Is that obedience? So you're wondering what I did, aren't you? I didn't give to the man. But you just read to us a moment ago that Jesus said if somebody asked, you should give to them. That's right. And so if I think as a fundamentalist or if I think legalistically, I would say, okay, I pull up and I hand the guy 50 cents and I say, me and Jesus are good. I kept the law, right? Did not break the rule. I'll give him 75 cents. But, but I believe giving that man money is not good for that man. And I believe that God has raised up great agencies and ministries in this community who can really help that man. And so you know what I do every month? I give to those people. Because I want to be a giver. And and here's what I have to do. Look at Jesus' life and say, Jesus chooses not to retaliate when he is falsely accused, when he is spit upon, and when he is crucified. He chooses what? 
not to, not to do anything but be helpful to people. I mean, look at the people that he healed and the people that he touched and the people that he blessed and he was a giver. And when I look at Jesus' life, and I have to ask myself, so, so how can my life be reflective of Jesus' life? But I think every day I've got to work that out. And I can't reduce this to just a list of rules that if I do this, then I'm good. No, I think it's much greater than that. It's about where is my heart in all of this stuff? Which, which brings us to the second thing that I want to talk to you about. And that is motive. Okay, so here's the deal. If you say, you know what? I don't retaliate. And you know why I don't retaliate? Because it messes with people's heads when you don't retaliate. See, I, I don't think that's the right motive. No, I just like to see them kind of look weird at me, you know, like, no, that's not what it's about. The only motive that I can have is love. That's it. So Jesus says, you've heard it was said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. Now, he's not quoting scripture on the hate your enemy part. Might have been a way of society, but it wasn't Scripture. But I say to you, just just think with me. What if? <laughs> what if, as citizens of the kingdom of God, we loved our enemies? And the reason we didn't retaliate was because of love. And the reason we gave our coat was because of love. And the reason we helped was because of love. And the reason we gave was because of love. So I'm going to challenge you by showing you a picture. Here's the phrase Love your enemies. Now here's the picture. I think we're going to get a picture. Here it is. You've been living with this picture? I think I saw it on Sunday or Monday. This past week. 21 Egyptian Christians beheaded by ISIS. And as they always try to do for shock value, they videoed it and then released the video. See, I think that if you said to me today, hey Rick, you're Christian, yes. So, you have enemies? Oh yeah. So, as a Christian, what group would be your greatest enemy? Well, I, I can't think of a greater enemy than ISIS, can you? Do you feel challenged? When Jesus says you should love those guys. And he's not just referring to the guys in the orange suits on their knees. He's talking about the guys behind them in masks. And so I won't, I won't belabor this, but you know that we have one word that we use 
love in the ancient Greek language there were four words and the word that is used here the noun form would be agape and it's not about feelings it's not about what I feel when I say that I love Annette and it's not about what I feel when I drive away from being with some of you and I just think man I love those guys it's not it's it's not it's not about feelings it's it's an act of the will it's a choice that I make it's a decision that I am going to pray for the good of others and he says if you do this then you be like your father who is in heaven Romans 5 8 God demonstrates his love for us this way while we were still sinners Christ Jesus died for us and when you get to verse 10 it talks about us being enemies in that state of God I'm glad God loved his enemies I was one. And while I was still a sinner, Christ Jesus died for me. So if you want to be like God, love your enemies. We had Ash Wednesday service on this past Wednesday, of course, and and I think I heard it really well when Bob Miller stood here and he prayed for persecuted Christians around the world. And you know who else he prayed for? He prayed for members of ISIS. And he said, our, our greatest desire, God, is that they would come to know you. That they could be forgiven of their sin. That they could come to life in you. And I love the second part of his prayer. But if they will not choose that, will you confuse them? <laughs> And their intentions. We've seen you do it before in the scriptures. Confuse their efforts. And so, so to pray for, for people who, who mistreat you. So, so, so I understand this is, this is strong. I, 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 think, I think where we kind of get into this struggle is that um, Jesus says, don't you know that the Father causes the rain on the evil and the good and the sun to shine on the good and the, and the, the righteous and the unrighteous? And, and I think we want to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where's the favoritism here? God lets good things happen to good people, but he lets bad things happen to good people. God lets... Bad things happen to bad people. I'm good with that. But he lets good things happen to bad people. I'm not good with that. But what about Israel being the chosen people of God? You understand that they weren't chosen to have special treatment while the rest of the world is in darkness. But we get the clue earlier in the Sermon on the Mount when he says, You are the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. And I'm going to love the world and reach the world through you. And when they see you acting like me, (laughs) refusing to retaliate and surrendering your rights and being helpful and being given and loving your enemy. See, when when you see Jesus, do you see the love of God? Then, Then he is saying, then let that love be reflected in your life. 
And he ends with this, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Not at all saying be flawless. Nobody has the potential of doing that. But fulfilling the purpose for which you were created. And you were created to be Christ-like. You were made in the image of God to image Him. So when people see you, they should see God's love. So, so let, me, let me just kind of wrap this whole thing up by just talking about um, why we're able to do this. Why this life is actually a possibility and not just, not just big thinking. We can do it because our lives are in God's hands. We don't have to defend ourselves. We have a defender. Amen? Um, we don't have to worry about our rights. We have someone else who's worried about our rights. We, we don't have to hoard what we have because we have someone who gives to us, provides for us, supplies all of our needs according to His riches and glory. Um, we can be helpful. We can be loving. We can love a neighbor. We don't have to strike back. So let me, let me just chat with you for a minute. A few... few months ago we began talking about planting a church downtown and we talked about planting a church in two lakes and so let me talk to you just a minute this morning about what's happening downtown so so we we just had a couple of fantastic weeks the 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 southwest oklahoma district has just kind of embraced this with us and just given us permission go go plant a church it's actually on their their district but they're partnering with us and then, then on top of that, we, we think we might have found a building that would be affordable. Believe it or not, in Midtown, there might be an affordable building that, that we might be able to worship in. And then, and then on top of that, we asked for people to commit to be a part of it. Guess how many people said, we will be a part of the core team that goes. Ninety-five people have committed to be a part of the core team. Is that great news or what? And then just a week ago, an individual writes a note to Chris Pollock saying, been praying about what God would have me to do to support the Midtown Church plant. And a personal check, just like you would your checkbook at home, personal check for $100,000. I thought that might get a little bit of a response. You, you understand? Give. It, it's okay because God is watching over all of us. You, you don't have to hang on. You can, you can be free. I love it as a church. You've just said, let's send some people. Let's send some money. Let's send some resources. It's okay. God's good. Nothing is scarce as long as God is in the mix. He's the giver. He provides. He'll take care of us. You guys just go and do what God's calling you to do. And and, and God just demonstrates once again. You don't have to retaliate. You don't have to hang on to everything. You can go ahead and help others. You don't have to worry about your rights. You can love your enemy. I got your life. I'm watching over you. You don't have to watch over you. I'll take care of that. You watch over the other guy. 
I'll watch over you. So, so what does it look like in your life if you say, wow, what if I just followed Jesus in this and said, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to worry about retaliating and I'm not going to worry about, you know, um, my rights and I'm not going to worry about, you know, hanging on to things and I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and be helpful and I'm, I'm going to pray for my enemy. Would, would people begin to see, would people begin to see the Father when they see me? And would I begin in that moment to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world? And would people be drawn to Jesus because of the power of God at work in my life? I want you to stand with me this morning and I want us to, I want us to pray for grace this morning. We need grace, don't we? The kingdom of God ushered in by the life and the ministry of Jesus is accompanied by power to live the life that Jesus calls us to live. He doesn't call us to live a life and then just, just fall over laughing at the fact that we fell so miserably at it. No, no. He calls us to a life that He believes we can live and that He empowers us to live. And so this morning we're going to sing together before we go and the altar will be open. And if you want to come and pray because the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and just feel the freedom to come on and pray. And this morning, if you would like to be a part of this life that we're talking about, oh, I want to follow Jesus, Rick. I want to live the kind of life that He's calling us to. But I need Him to change my heart. So feel free to come this morning and just ask Jesus to change your heart. For some it might be, I need to be born again. I need this rebirth. I need to become a Christian today. For others, it's I need to, I need to have God's power at work in my life to live this life He's calling me to live. I want to be the salt and the light of the world. And of course this morning, if you want to pray for healing, there will be pastors here to pray with you. Feel free to come. If you're going through a hard time or a good time, and you want to talk to the Lord about it, or if you have someone you want to pray for, feel free to come and pray for them. Altars open as we say. Restore my soul, revive my heart, renew my life. Lord.
want you to go with these words, okay? Trust Jesus today. Trust Jesus to empower you to live the life that he has called you to live. You can trust him. God bless you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.